Hey, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley, a podcast about making things up and making things happen. This week, the creative genius that I'm talking to is my friend, singer-songwriter Jeb Havens. We're actually going to do a listening party with his new album, Home Base. But first, um, a little housekeeping. I want to give a shout-out to Michael Shane and John Sobrack, who uh, left me a little donation in my virtual tip jar and helped me pay for some months of web hosting and different expenses, and I really, really, really appreciate that. If you guys would like to do that, if you're listening and hear something you like and want to throw a few shekels my way, uh, you can do that at DennisAnyone.net. There's a donate button there, and you can also see all the podcasts that we've done so far up there, and some of them have pictures that go with them and fun stuff like that. So um, you can also subscribe to my newsletter, which I send out when I have stuff going on, and um, there you go. Uh, without any further ado, here is the delightful, and he's going away on a trip, and I'm really going to miss him, and he's just sunshine and super talented, and I can't wait for everyone to hear his new record. It's Jeb Havens. All right, I'm here in my condo with my guest today, my dear friend Jeb Havens, who I've been wanting to have on the podcast for so long. So long. But... We have the perfect occasion to have you on because you have a new CD of music coming out. You're a very talented singer-songwriter. Thank you. And we're going to do like a listening party and play little snippets and talk about it. It's the first ever comedy, uh, comedy couch. That's my old podcast. <laughs> the first ever Dennis Anyone listening party. So it's a listening very party exciting. for two. I'm excited. And we were testing out the sound and, and stuff like that. And I just heard tiny bits and I was almost moved to tears because... I know how talented Jeb is, but I haven't, like, you played me at the beginning, you played me once, like, the first song you were working on, and yes. and then all of a sudden I turn around for two seconds, and you have the album done. Yeah, and I, and I played you, like, an, like a piano vocal yes. demo, and that's why I made these demos, and then working with this amazing producer, like, he would transform them, and we'd work together to transform them into... Some of what you'll hear today, which I'm very excited about. Now, the producer is someone that our friend Matt Zarley works with a lot. His yes. name is Andy... Andy Zola. Zola. Z-A... Z-U-L-L-A. Z-U-L-L-A. He's based in New York. Right. He's he's worked with... He's Grammy winning. He's worked with, like... He's mixed and audio engineered for, like, Kelly Clarkson and Rod Stewart and, and tons of people. I think he was involved in Smash, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Yeah, he, he was the audio engineer or the producer for the music and the TV show Smash and... So he's, he's been in the industry a long time, and he's yeah. just incredible. It's been amazing working with him. I love that. Why don't we not do this and just listen to Smash? Because no. <laughs> I love Smash. But anyway, that's cool. Was it star. tough to get him? Was he available? Or, um, and how was it working cross-country? Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, I, I got to know him through working with Matt Zarley. Because yeah. Andy and Matt have worked together for, for a long time. Right. And so I, I co-wrote the duet with Matt, and Andy was the producer on that. And that's how we initially connected. And... Um, yeah, I, I sent him over a bunch of my demos and tracks and stuff, and he he really loved it, and he was open to working together, and he was he was great. He's very professional, and uh, working long distance, I would just so I'd record the vocals and piano parts um, on my own in my closet, and I would email the files over, and then he would sort of flesh it out with more instruments and ideas, and we'd go back and forth, and he brought in other you know musicians and instrumentalists from other places in the country. So it was all, it was all virtual. It was all virtual. You yeah. never had him in your ear I've actually saying, never met him in person before. You've never had him in your, in your ear yeah. saying, do that take again, or try that again, or hold that Right, no, he said this is the first project he's ever done where start to finish he's never met the person. That's amazing. Person. Yeah. 
but it's been great. I mean, we got along really well. I think he he got the style really quickly. Right. Whereas, like, you know, I sent him some of the demos, and then the first thing he sent back, I just, I was like, I was sitting at my desk, and I listened to it the first time, and I almost just, like, started crying, but I had to go outside, because he just, he nailed the sound that I was imagining all these years, and just never was able to do on my own, with just right. a piano and, and voice. Your sound. Yeah. And it yeah. feels like yours. It does. It does feel, yeah. It feels How so would unique. you describe it? Oh, God. <laughs> the That's okay. I, I I should be ready for this question because I want to ask. I know you, but, we're gearing up. We're um, gearing up for the big push. I know that's true. I'm I would say it's, easy. it's the songwriting is definitely sort of pop singer songwriter. So right. it has kind of catchy hooks and it's meant to be you know sing along memorable. Right. Um, but it does a lot of storytelling. It has some cleverness in the lyrics from kind of more of a, a singer songwriter storytelling tradition. Um, yeah, and I think someone told me that they felt like there's a little bit of soul in, in it. I like it. Because it's very emotional. It kind well, of runs you are the very, gamut. You have a lot of depth to your singing and your and who you are as a person. You're a sensitive, thoughtful, smart person. And um, I love your music that I've heard so far, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I know I'm going to weep when I hear this album. You mentioned recording in your closet. Now, you've been doing closet covers on YouTube for a while now. Yes. Yeah, so, Or not years. just covers, but closet songs. Yeah, like closet recording sessions. So, so initially just started out of necessity, but then it kind of became a thing on my YouTube channel. Where it's a very clever idea of, like, take the thing that limits you and make it your gimmick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, it's like, and some of that's been very successful, I had, I had some that kind of blew up and went viral. There was a one last year I did of Tracy Chapman's Fast Car. Yeah. That was on, like, the front page of Reddit and BuzzFeed and got, like, 200,000 views at this point. Amazing. And it was all just me with my keyboard and microphone in, in the closet. I love it. Is that your biggest closet song? That's the biggest one. Yeah, exactly. I love it. Yeah. I love the duet that you... The Reba duet that you did with the other oh, guy. Oh, yeah. That's another... Yeah. Another another favorite. What's the name of the song? Enough? Uh, Enough. Yeah. Enough. It was Reba McIntyre and Jennifer Nettles. Yeah. I have a duet that came out last year called Enough. It's a, a great, great song. Amazing song. And so I did a duet, closet duet, with uh, my friend Michael Powers, who is a, a, a country musician. Um, he was on American Idol right. uh, a couple seasons ago. Um, he was in Nashville at the time. And so we did that, again, virtually, like across the country where I would record my part and send it over to him. And he recorded his part and mixed it together. And we... And he sent video of him singing, and I, sent, I had video of me singing, and I, I spliced those, and that's up on the, the YouTube channel as well. I love it. Yeah. One thing that's been really cool for me to observe about you, and also our friends Matt Zarley and Tom Goss, and you mentioned your friend Michael, is that there's like this group of like gay singer-songwriter people that are recording and doing their own thing, but they all really seem to support each other. Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem competitive or weird. It's like, will you sing this part on my thing? And it, it, yeah. it, it just, have you it observed just, that sort of across that that genre of, of indie gay people, or is it just that I happen to know cool ones <laughs> you just that know are the not? Best ones. I don't know the dicks. There's a whole <laughs> East Coast dick contingent. Yeah, that no, are like, I, I, I think it's true. I think there's like a natural. You're all there's there's a common bond there. So I think you understand, and, and you're telling you know, overlapping sort of stories. A lot of it is is just sort of bringing honesty to, you know, telling stories from a gay perspective. It's it's funny because this, like, this album now, um, I wasn't thinking of it as, like, a gay album or anything, but there are a lot of songs that just naturally, by the way, by, like, the pronouns or the way it sort of talks about things, like, there's a few songs that are, are gay, but they're not, I don't think of them as gay songs, but right. they're just... It's, it's not just it's raining men. Right, exactly. <laughs> but it's, like, a love song, and it, and it has yeah. the word he in it or something right. like that, and so... Um, but I think 
in that sense, you're you're sort of you know have a common bond with other other gay singer songwriters, and also they're just they're you know they're fun people. They're, they're fun great. people, yeah. like cool people. I'm re- I really I love that love a lot of them the live connection. in LA now. That's, I, yeah, that's but it's not super competitive. It's not like mm, how'd you where'd you get that? No, no it's like you dude, you got to get this microphone. Let me help you with this. And yeah. Like Matt, because mo- most of it, yeah, most of it is it's kind of grassroots audience anyway. Right. Like we're it's not like we're all going for the same major labels approval. Yeah, those days are over. Fight. Right. For it's everybody. Like we, it's about really reaching, honestly reaching fans who are moved and and get value from our music. And so it's not like there's, you know, a there's lot not of a big pot around. of gold around any corner. Yeah, so it's you just better a lot do of, it. you know, little. Yeah. It's a lot of real people, and that's yeah. and that's what ends up being. It is a lot of the music that we write ends up being very meaningful for folks that haven't seen that type of song or haven't haven't had that kind of representation in music before. Do you get feedback from your closet covers? Do people mm-hmm. or your closet sessions like? What are yeah. some of the things that you remember that were memorable or that oh, moved you? I, I've, had, I've had a lot, actually. There's a lot of people reach out with individual messages. And yeah. and just oftentimes it's just really that they are just so moved by having, which is amazing to, to hear, to, that it really resonates with them personally. And it's something like a relationship that they were just in or that they're getting into or, you know, that it's finally a song that really speaks to their experience in a very true way. Right. And, and they'll reach out in the right you know, these beautiful messages and, and always, always respond. Um, and, and it's, it's really, that's, that's the part that's really amazing. And then also because I have, I have at this point so many of these videos, like, right. Like 200 videos on my channel or something. Right. Um, people who've just discovered me, it's great. Cause they'll be like, I spent like all evening just going, <laughs> just going through on this, right. this big, you know, playlist of just listening through all your stuff and just, you know, being in what, that kind of mood. Cause I think it all, a lot of the, a lot of the music that I, that I do, and I think partly by by the way that I write and the way that my voice is, I think it's it's you know it's it's a bit pensive. It's like you kind of are in this like mood where hopefully it's there's an emotional depth, yeah, it's emotional and it's thoughtful from the and, first utterance. It's yeah. your, it, there's a connection, an emotional connection. Yeah. So I think that, um, I think that's the main thing is connecting and, and resonating with people. Where where I write these songs mostly for myself, just right. to sort of get out the emotions, and right. then if that helps someone else do the same thing, then that's amazing. Have you been recognized in public from some of that saw you on YouTube? Um, I don't know if it was from YouTube. I've definitely... Because I used to live in San Francisco right. for six years, and I did a lot more live performance there. Right. And, um, and so I think people, you know, would sometimes recognize me from, you know, fans that I had who, who lived there. Right. Um, not as much in LA. I mean, everybody's... Famous and way more famous than, right. than I am, but in LA, so you wouldn't really. But you've be had so many views on some of those things. That's really amazing. yeah. Well, I mean, YouTube's a funny, a funny thing. This it's funny, funny animal. Known. Yeah, where you can be sort of really well known in this small pocket of people, and then nobody else knows who you are. Right, which it's I, it's, I think is actually fine. That feels it's like totally fine. as the world gets bigger, that seems natural. I love that. So yeah. tell us about the title of the album. It's Home Base. Yes, Home Base. And what about it? Well, what, Why, so, is there a song called Home Base? There's no song called Home Base. I'm, okay. In my head, I have lyrics for a song called Home Base that I okay. might still write, even though it won't make sense that it's not on the album. <laughs> but with Base. digital, you just tag it on just, there. I'll just Somebody, it in. all they need to do is refresh, exactly. and there it is. True. They're magical yes, with digital, songs. it's not like they yeah. have it in their collection and they pull it out. Yeah. No, I think I think it has a lot of meanings to me. I mean, I wanted something that. Um, you know, there's a lot of different aspects of my life. Um, so I'm a, like a game designer. Yeah. And so I remember home base to me was like when I used to play these epic games of tag with my brothers and cousins when I was little, and we'd have this giant tree that was always home base. And, and I said, you know, just, just that kind of playfulness and that innocence. 
Um, but also, I think really the more important part musically was that over the past couple of years, I've you know figured out sort of where my center is, like mm-hmm. what it is that I want to say and not what I think people want to hear. Right. And so I think for me, it's been kind of a journey of finding my own voice musically and and really making sure that I'm making music because I want to make it right. and not because I want to impress somebody or do something specifically for someone else. And so I think for me, that's this album represents sort of the, what I think is the truest voice of, of who I am as a songwriter, especially. Right. And so for me, that's kind of this home base that what's great about, you know, the idea of a home base is you can then kind of go off and do other things freely from that. And so my, my goal is to have this, this album come out and then, um, continue to do other sort of one-off collaborations or, you know, expressions of different genres and just more playful stuff or different covers and have it all kind of point back to this album as like, this is, this, this is, is who, who I, I am. am. Yeah. And I'm going to go off because I, I'm scattered anyway. Like I, right. I love to write in all different styles and, and things like that and, uh, and try new things. So this sort of, I think allows me to go do that. But first I have to establish, okay, here's my voice. And now let me go play and explore and try other things. I love it. So, um, I have so many things I want to ask you, but let's start the listening yes. party. Okay, let's people, I want to hear, let's hear a song. Tell us what we're going to hear first. I know, we're just going to hear a little, uh, like bits of, songs. um, what kind of things do you want to hear? Actually, let's we didn't do, even plan out what songs we're going to, let's do the one that I, I've heard part of the demo originally. The compass okay. One. So yes, this is pushy little compass heart, pushy little compass yes, heart. It's the, it's the uptempo love song. Okay. Um, where should I just kind of start? Just start it. No. Trust your mind across your face. The treacherous path that I take. That you never thought I'd try. The trouble waters on the lake. I hold my mistakes. Gonna live until I. first song that I did with Oh my god. Andy. Oh. And <laughs> that was the one where I heard that chorus come in with all the drums and the yes. guitars and it just that's when it, it sort of it sort of hit. Is that what, the first thing you heard? That was the first thing Is I heard. Yeah. And it was, it was your desk Yeah, it was go. a couple of versions even before this, but even yeah. the first that that idea of like, you know, really coming in with that support of that that powerful chorus that yes. I you know, heard in, heard in my head. And you talked about being a game designer. Yes. And I know because you also like board games. So mm-hmm. for the people listening, what do you do? Video games or games? Oh, or like, uh, what, what well, let's see. So I independently, I've designed board games right. and puzzles. I have a few published board games. It's amazing. Um, and then I worked for many years in the video game industry, 
doing all sorts of different kinds right. of video games uh, for, for many years. Now, well. when Looking was starting, you I remember you told me that they came and talked to you about what your job was like because the one of the characters on Looking did what you yes, did. Yes, yes. The, the main... Yes. Yeah. The main guy on Looking. And he... So... Um, Okay, I'm forgetting the name. The guy who created Looking. Um, Michael? Yes, Michael. I can't remember Lennon? his last name. Yes, that sounds right. Sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, you can Google it if, if we're wrong. But, uh, uh, yeah, so he was in... It was before Looking even came out, so right. no one knew about it. And he had gotten in touch with me through somebody because he was he was searching for a, uh, a game designer um, living in San Francisco because he wanted to know what that was like and ask right. questions about the terminology and, and what sort of thing. What so it's of. your fault the show got canceled. It's basically, it's my, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> if you'd been more interesting, if, if you'd if been, only, if you'd been more like scandal. I know that's true. My, yeah. But no, it was, he so asked he me questions of, of what it's like to be a game designer and, and, uh, and to be gay. Cause I also in the games industry, right. I was one of the people that founded the gay group within the industry many years ago. Um, and so like it was, it was it's just that culture of the video games industry is very, is very interesting and different. It's a culture all of its own. And, uh, and especially in San Francisco where there's a lot of focus on, on tech, tech and everything. And stuff. Yeah. How creative is it for you? Has it, has it, have you felt really creative doing it or is it a lot of, uh, technical stuff or oh, um, bureaucracy? Or no, whatever? I mean, I think I, I have always loved game design. I still, right. I still continue to design games. I have many board game prototypes, right. little wooden pieces and, and stuff in my uh, in my room. And so that's that's always definitely been a passion of mine. I think generally just being able to create experiences for people, yeah. um, I think is is always been I've always been drawn to that. So I think whether the outlet is like music or or games, I used to do a lot more playwriting as well and. And just in general, sort of creating these worlds or creating these uh, these ideas. Um, and your your current job mm-hmm. is that it's not YouTube. game design. It's a YouTube. It's not quite game design. It's right. product management. Okay. Uh, which is like product design. I don't know if it's too boring about right. it, but basically like working with the team that makes the YouTube app, for example, and tries to make it better. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I work so I work for YouTube and. Uh, and do kind of similar stuff there. And that's sort of like your day job, yeah. your main job. Yes, how exactly. has working there helped you as an artist know how to use YouTube effectively? Yeah. It, it, it has, in the sense that I, I do all the tips and tricks, that the best practices that we right. would tell to anyone trying to start a YouTube channel. Right. Um, I know those tips and tricks because right. I work there. What's one of them um, that might surprise oh, people? I'm, or the big mistake the, that people make? The two biggest things, one of which I don't do and one of which I do, right. do, one of them is consistency. It's right. just the idea that you put something out and then you put out something similar, like on a regular basis, right. over a long period of time. And if you look at any of the, the big YouTube channels, it's like they were doing sort of nothing for a long time and then and then eventually through this growth right. hit. But they were doing just that. They are putting out a video every week that no one was watching for like a year before right. it finally got, got famous. Um, but yeah, so putting out because so that's the, 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 the okay. closet covers, same kind of setting. Yeah, tank. I'm always wearing a tank top. You rock the tank every I, time I see tank tops on sale <laughs> you somewhere. I think, oh, I got to get this for Jeb, or yes, I because I have to link. wear. So I wear a tank top in every one of yeah. those videos, but I don't want to wear the same tank top as another video because it could get confusing because it right. would look the same. Um, so I, so I didn't I realize you tried to have a new tank top I for have every video. To. There's no video. That has the same tag top and background combination. Do you want to borrow some? I might it, need to. You could totally out. borrow. Uh, so consistency. So, I'm worried sick about your tank top. And then, 
And then, uh, and then the other one is, uh, is collaborations, like working with other people that have channels. Bringing in things. Bringing in so I've done some of that. I've done some duets, yeah. as you know. Tom, you know Goss, Tom Goss. And you did Shake It Off. With, with Matt. And then Charlie, you've done stuff with Matt. With Michael, Michael Powers. So, That's right. Um, and last year Colin we did our St. Patrick's Day video. St. Patrick's Day video, it was so yes. fun. Okay, I so I've done it. some collaborations. You've yeah. done some collabs. Yeah. That's what they call them. Collabs. They do. They do. Let's hear another song. Okay. Okay. Let's see. This is, let's see, what should I... Gosh, you haven't heard any of this. I know. Um, I'm going to give you... So this one's really fun. This is the one that leads off the album. Okay. Uh, it's a song called The 101, and it's all about L.A. The 101? The 101, yeah. Oh, which shit. Which starts off with... Jeb, you're going to kill me! They always talk about with singing. I remember when I was trying to do singing and, and like the struggle of being in the pocket and mm-hmm. like those. You just have effortless, lovely phrasing. Thank you. Yeah, I was actually a percussionist for a long time. That really helps. Fun. I bet. Perc- I'm obsessed with rhythm and also uh, harmonies. Like I'd always sing in these like four part choruses, right? Or something where you just have these really tight harmonies. So I record a lot. Like all the backing vocals, all the harmonies are all. It's all you. All me. Like ten copies of me. What's your earliest musical memory? Um, earliest musical memory. I think, well, so I grew up in a house that had a piano in it. Right. And I think just from the very early age, I was, I was totally drawn to it. Um, I had two older brothers, um, who my parents tried to get them to take piano lessons and they refused to practice. And so they, so by the time it got to me, I was like, I want to take piano lessons too. And this was when I was, you know, seven or eight or whatever. And my parents were like, no, we've been through this with your older brothers. You're not going to practice. So it's a waste of money. And then, so I had to take piano lessons secretly from my neighbor across the street, Sarah. Behind your parents' back? Behind my parents' back. I secretly took lessons. So I, because I was so determined to prove them wrong. So this could have been all a reverse psychology thing on their part. But I was so determined to prove them wrong that I took lessons behind their back and, and then eventually figured out what was happening and, and let me play. But That's I would, awesome. so I would, I would just always... So you would pay for them out of your allowance or whatever? No, I mean, they, they would pay for them. They were, I mean, they weren't that expensive. They right. just, you know... No, but with the secret ones. Oh, the secret ones? No, she just did it for free. Wow. She's my neighbor, yeah, she was awesome. She's, That's She was amazing. my best friend growing up and, and she's, uh, she's amazing. She I came home in fifth grade lessons. and my mother said, get ready, you have piano lessons. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I wasn't thrilled about uh-huh. it. And it ended up being, I think, the thing, the best thing that happened when I was a kid in terms of, like, 
setting a course for me in a way because mm, I because music. I understood music a little bit. I felt comfortable auditioning for choirs and stuff in high school, and that's where I found a lot of creative freedom and friends, and like it set the tone for a creative life for me in mm-hmm. a way. That was the first the first thing. Yeah, I still remember though when you first learned the bass and the treble clef and what you're doing and mm-hmm. how to play, and then going from whatever the classical lesson music is and then going to the record store and buying like pop hits of the day sheet music mm-hmm. oh right yeah where you could what to play a thrill along. that was <laughs> yeah when you realized you could play I could play Have You Never Been Mellow by mm-hmm. Olivia Newton-John yeah oh I totally did right now if you want <laughs> it's still it's sitting it's, on the it's right over there but what do you remember yeah. what sheet music do you oh, remember gosh. owning and, um, and being excited well I would about? always do so I would always um I would always play for like school talent shows and stuff right. from, from as soon as I was you know as soon as I could I remember, what was it? It was, like, things like, like, Eric Clapton, or, like, it was just these, these, usually these very melodramatic songs, or Brian Adams, or something. Right. I would do anything. Uh, uh, no. Uh, anything I, anything, everything everything I do, I do, I do for you. That wow. was, like, big. Whoa. Like, when I was little, one of my big, you know, hits. Yeah. In talent show. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I loved it. And also, I, I very early on from taking lessons, within just, you know, a couple of years of taking lessons, I was drawn to writing my own songs. Right. So I was like, I would play so the lesson. you going that way. And I didn't go right that from way the beginning, I wanted time. to make up my own stuff, and I would just right. write little piano songs, and then I started to add lyrics from, my older brother actually wrote some lyrics, and was like, hey, can you turn this into a song? And then some friends from school had some lyrics, and then I, you know, kind of went from there and eventually wrote, wrote my own stuff, but... Yeah, early on, I wanted to make my own stuff. I think that's kind of a theme. You, or you had that. You had your eye on that. Yeah. from the beginning. I think that's awesome. And now, yeah. the song you just played us, the one on one song. Yeah. What I find really refreshing about you, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you don't seem t- to long to be famous yeah. in the way that a lot of my creative friends do. Right. Well, that's that's and the a lot of creative whole story people do. Of this of this song. You, is, do, you could take or leave it. Yeah, because I what seems, I really want I is wrong? the. No, you're not right. I think what I want is I want the creative expression. I want to be able to create things that I'm proud of and that and that hopefully touch other people and resonate with other people. And I think and it's funny because I've been in LA for like two years and I think early on I think I I learned the lesson that you kind of pick one way or the other. Like that if you go this path of really of going after this and the, the like the lyric in the song it's called it's like say we all just ditch this fairy tale fame that we all been chasing after right um, like what if we say that we're just not like what... we don't need that we have yeah. each other and we have like we can do things that are meaningful to each other as people there's a line in the bridge about like you know uh, I forget it right now it's like um, something about like reaching for this wanting to reach for the stars right and it's like but why don't we just shine from where we are instead like what's right. wrong with right here right like on the ground so I think I think that's an important lesson that I've kind of learned pretty quickly, and and there's just so much more personal satisfaction I think in in trying to write and, and create from that place than just constantly trying to reach for what you think someone else is going to want or what's going to make you the next big thing. Because even being the next big thing, like that's not an end of any journey. That just means more more reaching from from there. You know, it's like it's not like the the stars, the famous people now are just like kicking back and you know, they're, they're still struggling too every day, like trying to, trying right. to maintain that or trying to, trying to strive for that. And I think for me, the more important part is, is the creative aspect of it. What's it like to be around people that are clamoring for that for you? Do you go, okay, that's a thing. Good for yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, again, 
here in LA, you're around that all the time. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's totally fine. I think I, it's not the reason why I am doing what I'm doing. So right. I think that's the thing that I had to learn recently. Right. Um, and really got me to a place where I'm like, okay, here's, here's why I'm doing this. And now I feel more confident right. in doing it and, uh, and moving forward with it. Does it frustrate you that you don't make your living doing music? Um, it, it did for a while. But you seem to sort of make peace, you, do, you seem yeah. to be okay with it. I know, I, it did for a while, and I think, and that was part of my move to LA, was like, same as probably many other people, I was like, oh, I'm going to move to LA, and then I'm going to figure out how to make, you know, songwriting my career, yeah. and, um, and it's just going to work out, and then, I don't know, you sort of realize that as soon as you're doing it for for a career or for money or for someone else, then it's not the same thing. Like even the people that I know here that are doing that as their career, they still all have side projects that they do at night and on the weekends because that's the things they really want to be making. Right. And so there's rarely this overlap of like what you're passionate about, what you think should be created into this world and the stuff that someone will pay you for. Right. There's this great book that I read called ignore everybody. And it's about creativity Uh and stuff. (laughs) And, but, but it's basically make peace with that idea that, the money might not be the creative... They, they might not always overlap. Right. And if you can be okay with that, then that's half the... If you cannot beat yourself up for the fact that that's not the way it always works, then you'll probably be better off. Yeah, so. and, I, and I think for me, the, the sustainable happiness comes from creating things I'm proud of that are meaningful to me and other people. Right. The sort of temporary... They can't, no one can take, no one right. can take no that one can take that. No one can say anything yeah. that deflates that. Even yeah. if they hate it, you're like, well, that's okay. I made yeah. it for this reason, and that's why I made it. But the sort of fleeting or temporary happiness, that's the like, oh, I got 150 likes on this photo yeah. this time. Maybe next time I'll get a 200 likes. Ugh, but that's, that sentence there's makes no, me want to stick my head <laughs> in a blender. No, there's no end to that. Yeah, sort of there's treadmill. no filling that hole. It's not, it's not a sustainable... Thing yeah. and it's, yeah. it doesn't lead. To, it feels like it leads towards some end, some yeah. pot of gold, but it doesn't. Now you, I, I would imagine in game design and in what you do at YouTube, there's a very smart, uh, analytic, mm-hmm. um, right brain, left brain, that kind of thing. Part of you that you use there, and then it feels like music is the other part, right? Mm-hmm. The heart, the soul, the the deep. Do you feel that in your life, like the yeah. that you're using different tools and different. Um, definitely, areas. definitely. I mean, I think I've, you know, I've always been drawn to like really nerdy things. Like I was, I was a mathlete. Of in course. School. I competed at a certain level go. in mathematics. I love that. Um, <laughs> you were a fucking mathlete. <laughs> of course. Um, but, uh, so I think for me, uh, songwriting, especially like as a, right. as a craft is this mix of, of the very technical and, and the very emotional. So I think it does bring in, I think both halves of myself or both parts of myself where I'm, I'm obsessed with, you know, like in, in my verses and I'm writing verses, like I'm obsessed with having intricate rhythms that mirror from one verse to the next and having internal rhyming and, and these other kind of patterns. Um, but also just when I, I think that's when I'm polishing a song, when I'm first coming up with a song, it's, it's all heart. It's all right. just, I sit down at the piano and just what is it that has to come out of me? What's burning inside of me that I haven't dealt with that I need to deal with? And then when you perform it, you're able to just invest it with the emotion. You, you yeah. don't have to worry about the... Right. If I've, the, if I've practiced enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah if, you've right. because if I don't practice enough, then yeah. I'm all 
I'm all fingers and, and, you know, tongue where I just can't, I'm thinking about it too much. Yeah. And then if I, so I just have to practice a lot and then I can let go and just feel it. Well, get it together before February 17th. Before February 17th, yeah. He's having a launch party and a record release party at... At Rockwell Table and Stage. Here in Los Angeles. In Los Angeles. And it's in Hollywood, right? Yeah. Or is it North Hollywood? Hollywood. It's in Hollywood. It's in like Los Feliz. Yeah. We'll give you a better plug for that at the end of the show, but LA people, you're going to fucking love it. Okay, let's hear another song. February 17th. Can't wait. Okay, let's, let's bring it down a little bit. Oh, I'm gonna weep. What the, <laughs> this one? Okay. This is I love how this. This is more of a kind of jazzy production. Okay. Um, let me start kind of in the, a little bit, and then we're in the middle of it here. Do you have the whole songs on your thing? Okay. Yeah. What's the song called? Uh, Burn slow. Burn slow. me want to like slow dance it's uh, yeah it's like you just chill that's when i put on when i was listening to them i would yeah. just put that on if i'm in that kind of mood of just uh, i want some just sort of languid and and smooth and full and yeah that's i adore how he how he produced that song because it was again i just send him this piano and you didn't quite demo. know what you were getting those string his string pads are mm-hmm. you just want to bathe in them you do yeah. they're amazing yeah, yeah. well we it's funny because we went back and forth we're first um, like with this song, uh, it has, the chords are full, you know, jazz chords. Um, and so initially he was sort of went more traditional jazz trio sort of way. And then, so I searched for some other tracks. So like, well, I kind of want to pull it back a little bit towards pop or a little grittier. Right. And like with some stuff. And then he eventually kind of settled on this, this, the, like that, that organ sound in there. It's, I don't know if you can, how detailed you can hear yeah, it. Yeah, I can but hear it's it. Like, it's a very dirty, like, gritty, dirty organ that has this, like, cycle in it. It has these, like, strings that are kind of, like, again, kind of dirt, like, broken strings in them. And so it has this, this sort of grittiness to it while at the same time being very smooth and, and you know, luxurious. I love the lyric about the time time goes slow. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. Because I feel that lately. Like, people are like, life's short, and I'm like, not short enough. <laughs> I guess yeah. you just feel that way when you're going mm-hmm. through a hard time or well, something. Well, that's the, yeah, because in that song came out of a time, like, the, the first line of the, the chorus there, which is, I, I burn slow like a discarded cigarette. Yeah. And it's this, like, this thing that just, you discard it, and it's still lit, and it just keeps going, and it just keeps burning for a real long time, and not, like, barely moving. And nobody knows and it's there. And nobody knows it's there, and it just, it just seems like it takes forever, and nothing's gonna happen. And the and loneliness of that. Yeah, exactly. Just put me out. 
Right, exactly. Just let me be done with it. <laughs> yes. And at some Somebody point... Somebody step on me, for right. Christ's sake. It's sense. sort of like, you know, like in a, a, you know, if a relationship ends or something, you know, you know it's going to take time to get over it, and you just yeah. want to fast forward to right. the end of that process. You're like, okay, I know it's going to take me X number of months yeah. or years to get through this. Let me just kind of zip to the end of that, rather than experiencing every single moment, every single day yeah. of it. And I think that's sort of the sort of slow... The slowness of the song and the and the build of the song um, comes from. It's gorgeous. Now you are in love. I am incredibly in love. Yes. And you <laughs> fell in love like a year and a half ago, two years ago. Two, two years ago, a little over two years ago. Yeah. Where did the writing of this song, these songs, come in relationship to your relationship? Yeah, it's funny. So some of them are are pre, and some of them are during, and some right. of them are post. You know, a lot of them are pre because uh, the, the, before this solo album. I had a, a an EP that I put out, of which I listen to all stuff. the time. Thank you. Which was mm, six years ago, Parachute in California, uh, California Boy. California Boy. <laughs> yes. There's another song in there that I really love. It's my favorite, and I can't think of the name. Love anyway, by. that's, a, that's I can't remember. Anyway, it's a good. It's only six. There's so six songs on an EP that are that are wonderful. Yeah, so. thank you. But yeah, the, yeah. So so uh, a lot of these songs are ones that I chose. Since writing that, I've had other collaborations and other releases since then, but right. not a full solo album. So I really went back and a lot of candidate songs before starting this process, and I really just picked the ones that felt. A lot of it was picked the ones that felt the most uh, representative of me as a songwriter. Because again, right. one of my I do love performing and I love writing and performing my own stuff, but right. I especially love being able to write with or for other people. Um, so you know get these songs out there and hopefully maybe someone will someone some, say hey I love your writing hey I love your writing write together, together or, or like hey I represent you know So-and-so. Pink and she should sing this song that would be amazing Pink's managers out there I would yeah. love that now what um, <laughs> yeah. oh but, but being in love sorry you're saying the, the being in love part yeah 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 so a lot of the songs a lot of the happier songs are a little more recent right um, and the sadder songs from like dealing with you know, heartbreak and, and loneliness and all that were, were before. Right. As if that wasn't obvious, but yeah. So play me a song that's very much Steven. Um, okay, yeah, I mean, this one is, this is the more... It's called, Ste- it's called Steven. Steven. No, well, Push Your Little, Steven, Steven, little, Steven. Push little Compass Heart was, was definitely written yeah. uh, fully sort of after having met him. But this other right. one is literally, it's a song called The Happiest. And it's funny because this I started writing before... Yeah. And it started, it's gone through such an evolution where when I first wrote it, even though it's called The Happiest, it was a very sad and tragic song because it was sort of, it was like bittersweet and it was almost ironic. Right. And then over the years, I've like transformed it a few times. And now, and by now, it's basically turned into a totally bouncy, happy celebration of love. Right. Which I love. Like it's mostly the same song and the same lyrics, but it just now is turned into a whole other tone. Now it means something Now it means something totally different. Right, exactly. So I'll play yes. um, a little part. The Happiest. The Happiest. How many songs are on your uh, yeah. 11 songs Perfect. on the albums. We don't have to go through all of them. No, we can go through as many as you want. I'm here. <laughs> you're, you're here I'm all in, day. I'm in deep. Do anything? Baby, go, but I'm 
To be like the catchy pop, yes, simple song. I don't want yes. to overthink it. You could yeah. people could really that could be people's songs. Couples will go. That's our song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah. I love it. What was it with Andy bringing guitar players and other all the? So when you send that off to a producer, do you know anything about what he's doing? And you or do you get it and it's like a present? It is. It's kind of both. It's a lot of. It's a lot of back and forth. So it's right. just uh, again uh, the. The piano, just piano vocal version, doesn't really sound much like that. Or sometimes I'll add like my own little, I'll make a little drum groove. Right. That, you know, it's like a cheesy little thing that I'll throw in there just to get a feel for what the song is. But yeah, oftentimes he would just eventually send something back. And it was like opening a little gift when I get an email from him. And I'd be like, oh God, what has he done with this song? Can't wait. And then just listening to it and it just, it's, it's amazing to hear all the different parts come in and, and everything. I remember I made a record in like 99, 2000, it came out in 2000, so long ago. But I, just the creative part of it and the listening to it and like the, the obsess, you get sort of obsessed mm-hmm. with it. Yeah. And in a really beautiful way, in a way. It's like mm-hmm. just listening to every little thing and... Uh, yeah, you get you get very familiar with every little nuance. nuance. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and also, so I... Um, uh, half about half of the album was produced with Andy, and then there was there's uh, a couple, well, a little more than half, and then there's a couple bonus tracks essentially that I produced on my own that are just piano vocal, right? Um, and for those, you know, because I did did my own, I learned all about mastering, got some software for that, right? Because when I did mine, you had to mixing. find somebody to master, you had to find somebody to yeah, do that. yeah. So for those, so I really wanted to be involved in the whole process, and right. like because I'm a little bit of a control perfectionist in, right. some, in some ways and so I would just like obsess over every little line when I was mixing it and then mastering it and wanting to get it you know just right um but it's so it's funny now being having just recently finished that process and now it's off you know sent off to you know iTunes and all the other places right um so I can't touch it anymore and it's so done. it feels it feels weird to just after months of just obsessing with every little thing, just letting that go, and but yeah. I'm, I'm super happy with it. I'm proud of it. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Play yeah. some other song. Okay. Um, All right. Let's see. Let's see here. Is there a song called Pyramid? Uh, <laughs> Jeb and I are both obsessed <laughs> with the pyramid, twenty thousand dollar pyramid and mm-hmm. playing pyramid. And we're both quite good at it, if we say so ourselves. We're really and good at it. We love it. And I bought the home game of Pyramid. Are we playing that today? We can play it if you want. Right. We could go play it by the pool. <laughs> um, and Jeb and I were going to first play it with some people. We were trying to invite other people so we could have four. But everyone, nobody showed. So it was yeah. just us two. And we realized pretty quickly that we didn't want any of those other fucks 
messing up our pyramid, and mm-hmm. it's fine if it's just us. It's way more fun. It's with way more fun. People, it's just us because you don't have to wait for someone else's turn. You, can you don't have to it. wait for anyone's turn, and if they don't, if they can't live it and dream it and be it, yeah, like we can. You know, it's all about the um, winter circle round. That back. Oh my god, obsessed. obsessed. I've watched. On YouTube, you know, you can go search, and yeah. it has pretty much every winter circle that's ever happened. Oh, And I my think God. I've watched them all. Do you cover up the lower parts? I used parts, to do that. You, I used to do along? that, but yeah. um, it looked, I think it looked weird if I was sitting at, at my work. computer yeah. just putting my You know it's coming back. Pyramid is coming back. Is it? Yeah, you can't leave now. Okay. Jeb and Steven are getting ready to to set off on a on a trip. A trip. Tell I, know. Us about I love the that. Trip. I love that. That's the way we segued into me leaving for a trip. I know. Was, was that, that you can't go now because pyramids <laughs> coming. Pyramids coming. I might reconsider. Yes. No, we're 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 leaving on a, an adventure of a lifetime. Uh, we're going to be traveling, you know, all different places in the world. Uh, it's sort of been this dream of, of both of ours for a long time, and we've just never. You know, we've both been, like, working in an office for, for many years and just have always wanted to kind of disconnect for a while and just travel. So we're going to take this opportunity. We're going to Cape Town, South Africa, which I'm so excited wow. about. We're going to be all over Europe. Um, and then from there, hopefully other other places. And, um, and yeah, it'll be part... Uh, I mean, it'll sort of be vacation, but, you know, we're going to be um, living on a budget. Right. So we'll mostly just be trying to... Meet people around the world. I'll be promoting the album. Going to try and book shows or just play open mic nights around the world. That's amazing. Um, and uh, it's 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 really surreal that it's happening pretty soon. That's, yeah. I love it. I love that you guys are doing that. I think it takes so much so much guts and yeah. And it was only because people... we talked each other into it. Yeah, I mean, on it, our it own, one of you would never no. do it. But it was sort of like like a game of reverse chicken or yeah. something. If that makes sense, or yeah. maybe it is like chicken. We we're both kind of almost. Daring each other to like say yes and do it. Was that on your dream board? Jeb came to uh, the dream board party last year. Yes, I loved your dream board party. I didn't have one this year because I I just couldn't. Yes, that last the year. My dreams tried to kill me. So (laughs) I'm a little. (laughs) My dreams and I are a little bit like we're not like speaking right now. That was a fantastic dream board party. (laughs) The only one I think I've ever been to. But I still have the dream board. And you said that there's a part of it. That is on your album or something yes. to do with your album. Yeah, I this, I you're, to hear you're the, the inspiration, Dennis. This oh, dream thank board. you. I appreciate um, it. You're responsible for this whole thing. Now, going into your dream board party, I had this idea in the it back of my head. Which would have been like a year, a year a little ago. A year ago. A little over a year yeah. ago. Going into it, I sort of had this idea in the back of my head that home base might be the title for the album that right. I was embarking on. I was like, okay, next year, one of my big goals on my dream board was next year I have to finish and put out a new solo album. Right. And then while we were so cutting things... Tw- yeah, exactly. Sorry. So in other words, you failed. I you missed blew. it by... Uh, no, I missed I it by it's two fa- months. It's a fail. I, I need it to be a fail, oh, Jack. You oh, understand. I failed. <laughs> so what I failed to do... No, but we are cutting cutting out things from magazines. I right. flip a page in a magazine, and right there, the heading of one of the articles is an article called... Nate. The title of the article was Home Base, and it was just the words Home Base against this white background... Right. And I saw it, and I was like, that's my album right snip, there. Snip, snip, snip. I snipped that out as a square, as if it was like an album cover, and I put right. it on the dream board, and I and that's where it ended up being. And so, yes, yeah, so for, for my actual album cover, I used pieces of some photos of the dream board, including that that piece, and kind of collaged it together. So That's cool. Now, but... Yeah. I think that's amazing, and I love that it led to that. And, and I do think that's the power of those kind of exercises, which is you plant little seeds... 
and completely. And people laugh and think things like that are corny or whatever. But I'll I'll remember. I remember one time right before I got a job on Fashion Police. It was like a year before that. My friends and I were making Dream Gourds. We were doing it. It was a precursor to the the party bigger, like a few years earlier. And I put a picture of London up there, and I had no money. Mm-hmm. I had no job. I wasn't going to go to in London. <laughs> but then I got this job at Fashion Police, and I and like we were going up until Christmas, and I was looking at my money, and I was looking at you know we were going to come back, and I looked at that dream board, and I'm like, I'm going to fucking go to London. But it was because mm-hmm. the seed was already planted. Yeah, so, that's so. I I literally had that dream board. That's awesome. In a spot in my room, where I would look at it every. I could see it every morning. Taunting, and taunting me. Well, that's what it was because <laughs> like about halfway through the year, I still only had like. Part of one song done. That's what I noticed. And I was cause like, we would I we get talk on it. Last time I remember really talking to you about your record, it was a long way from where it is now. Yeah. And it just seemed to. The last snowball. couple of months have been completely insane. That's I've so great. Like, that's why you probably haven't. We that's haven't hung good. out. We haven't <laughs> hung out at all. all. We haven't played. Pyramid. I haven't been to dance class. No, I haven't been to anything. I know it. We did a flash mob last year for Thriller at the YouTube. We did space. that's right. That was that before. Was that was before I went heads down on the on the album. That's that was really amazing. I love that was fun. Mob. We did the flash mob to, and we learned the thriller dance. Yeah, which I still, still remember a little of. I can yeah. remember bits and pieces, yeah. but not that much. Uh-huh. Uh, play me another song. Okay. Yeah, this, right. so this is one of the... So we were just talking about the, the um, piano vocal tracks. Yes. This is one of those. This is unplugged. You're unplugged. This is my unplugged. Yeah, yes. exactly. And this is, I think, where a little bit of like the soul kind of comes in. But I play a little bit of this song. It's a very sad song again, but it's soulful. I like, I like sad songs. Part of it. Yeah, so it's interesting. It's the overall theme of the song is sort of about no matter how much maybe you're expecting or prepared for something to end, it it always feels sudden. Mm-hmm. Like a relationship's ending. Like even maybe you had clues. Right. When it finally is over, it just feels like rug pulled out from under you suddenly. Yeah. You know, even if maybe for the other person or maybe an outside observer could have seen it all along, it just sort of feels so sudden. So the the yeah, some of the verses kind of it's it's 
interesting. It's sort of an amalgamation of sort of some of my own experiences and friends' experiences and things. So it kind of blends together a lot of that, but it just kind of tells the story of, you know, hey, this is this is what we had, and you made these promises, and, and I thought that things were so amazing, and, you know, how do, how do you just leave so suddenly, and I'm just left here in confusion right. um, from that. Because I think that's, and that's one of the songs that I decided to put on there, because it's, I, I really rarely ever have played it live, because it's, it's such an intense song, um, but when I have, I've always gotten a really strong response from people where they where they sort of say like that's me like that's that was my experience like I was I was in a relationship right something and then it was it was just gone I was just left like how did that just happen that just seemed to be so sudden it seems like one of life's great unfairnesses that mm-hmm. one person can be thinking I never want this moment to end right and the other person can be thinking get me the fuck mm-hmm. out of here yeah it's that's so brutal mm-hmm. yeah it's kind of a brutal song well it's, it's, it's beautiful. <laughs> Now, the yeah. piano sounds on your record are beautiful. Are they your keyboard um, with, you know, you, I know the yeah. keyboards have different piano sounds. Yeah, this is all, the, so I produced the whole thing through um, through Logic, Logic Pro, which right. is uh, production software. And um, it's funny you mentioned the piano sound because um, I would always, and so just through MIDI and then, you know, entered in through my, through my keyboard and MIDI and then I can sort of choose what sound it is. And, and I was just, had been using the stock piano sound that came with Logic many years ago. Um, and then it was only... As I but was it sounds to, like a real piano. Well, that's the thing. So as it sounds I was, like a piano. I was right. like, as I was trying to mix and master yeah. these songs, and I was like, it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't sound like other things. And, and so I realized that I had, from purchasing this bank of software, this uh, pack of software last year, it had like a fully sampled grand piano sound and I just hadn't loaded it in before because I didn't I, you had a grand piano in your house you I didn't, didn't even know it. know it well I didn't think that was it until yeah. I loaded it in I swapped out this new sound and and it all of a sudden it, it felt so much more so real much and, better yeah because it's it's a fully whatever sampled grand piano yeah um I remember piano. when we did when I did my record we recorded a bell sound in Hollywood at the studio but the piano mm-hmm. was delicious mm-hmm. What's yeah. your favorite piano in the world to play? Oh gosh, um, I mean, or I think, even not yeah, just for the you know, sound, but the mean. sentimental value. I, What's your favorite piano? I know. I think I think it's like it's sort of the same answer as a lot of people, but it's it's like the Steinway Grand Piano. Yeah, is is the. But is there one like in a specific place? I'm trying to think. One of the best sort of experiences that I had playing live was the yeah. um, how was it the Swedish American Hall in San Francisco? Yeah. And it was actually a show I did with, uh, I opened for Matt Albert for that show. And love him. they had, yeah, he's amazing. I love him. And, and they had a beautiful grand piano on the stage and, this, and it was in this, it's in this almost like a church, like it's just huge arena or like not arena, but it's a, a big room. So you have this wonderful acoustics and the sound was great. And just, just playing the chord. Actually that, that was, that show was the first time I played this song live because it felt like it was a, it was a the right sound yeah. to be able to capture an audience in that moment. Amazing. Yeah. I once went on a trip to Costa Rica and the hotel that we were staying at, it was a big group of people. It was for my friend Evan's birthday. And the hotel we were staying at had a, a piano. Mm-hmm. And I remember going down there and spending a little time on it. And I, I wrote a song on that fucking piano. Mm-hmm. And I, that just the combination of where we were and where I was and 
what came out of it and stuff like that. I'm always like, oh, that piano in Costa Rica, man. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. It makes a huge difference. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You just feel it. Yeah. yeah. Do you take notes a lot when you're thinking of lyrics and things like that? What's your process for remembering things? Yeah, it's it's somewhat evolved. I used to just start from start from sitting down at the piano and kind yeah. of saying whatever came out. Um, but then I started to move more towards um, where I would first kind of hear the song in my head and hear the lyrics and, and, and write down pieces. So usually I'll start, like, it oftentimes happens when I'm first waking up in the morning, these kind of half-conscious states, yeah. I'll sort of wake up and I'll be laying there and then something will just kind of pop in and, and if there's a particularly sort of interesting line or or little couplet or something like that, um, then I'll, I'll jot it down, like, on my on my phone, in a little... Notes, I love the app. phone, the notes. You know your apps. You're down, down with it. Oh, yeah. yeah um, Write the little apps down. What did I do with the pictures that you... You picked some questions from the observation oh, deck. over here, yeah. Oh, you have them? All right. Let's take, let's take one of these and okay. we'll hear a song. Uh, what's the worst thing that's gone wrong for you on stage? That's a good one. These are musical. <laughs> I know. They're, they're, the whole deck is a fun, fun group of questions. This one jumped out because uh, it was just the worst combination of, of things that could possibly happen. On stage. So one of the things that I did years ago, um, which overall was a great experience, was performing at Vancouver Pride. Right. And um, and so it was great. Like they invited me up. And the I thing with Pride, though, is you just never know what the sound. Never know what the sound. It's a fucking exactly. a million things that right. Fuck it's you. not like an established venue yeah. where they. It's everything. No. So so they had to. It was in and it's bar. all volunteer. Yeah. Right. And and you know it's just it was in this bar. And they had to construct the stage, because it wasn't a stage in this bar, so they were constructing it, like, just building it out of pieces of plywood, (laughs) and, like, when I showed up for for a sound check, I'm doing air quotes, exactly, sound check, there was still, like, a guy with, like, a screwdriver gun, like, building it, constructing this thing, and they were trying to, like, paint it and all this stuff, and and so, uh, you know, luckily that didn't end up collapsing or anything like that, although I thought I think it was a little precarious. It was kind of wobbly. Sure. But, um, but yeah, but then what really ended up happening was, because we didn't get to do actual sound check, because there was no stage yet, and then when we went to actually do the thing, uh, it was just the DJ who was supposed to play my backing track, and then I had, like, a wireless mic right. to sort of sing, and, but the place was just packed with people, it was dark, so, and I hadn't even, I hadn't even interacted with this DJ before, and so we were trying to get it through, and so he had, I guess, loaded the songs into his DJ equipment, which I, the theory is, and I think what happened was his DJ equipment does automatic like beat matching where it speeds up or slows down songs. And the first song I was going to do has a tempo sort of change at the beginning of it. And so it confused his software. So basically my song, my backing track started, but at about like three quarters speed or maybe like even slower so it's just a very slow version oh, in a different shit. key of my track, and it's I'm like up there. underwater. Yeah, and I had no idea what was happening, and what was I was like, this sounds different, but I don't know why. And I'm just up there with these people in front of me. I'm there with my my microphone, supposed to you know entertain them all, and the lights are flashing and everything. And this super slow track comes on, and I start trying to sing along with it. And it's just this, it's a total disaster. Did you stop and say, hey, what? Well, that's the that? thing. So I, I didn't, and the it's moment that you want to stop and just say, look, I okay, wish that I up. would. I've had experiences like that where I'm like, why didn't I just stop and say, wait? Yeah, exactly. So, yes. so, but in the moment I had no idea what was happening. I thought I was going crazy or am I singing this wrong? Right. And so I'm like looking over like, 
what tab? Like you have to speed this up. And then eventually I tried to sing a couple lines of the verse and then I like literally just ran off the stage over to the DJ booth and I was just like, it's slow, you have to speed it up. And then, but of course he didn't know that because it was just when it went into the computer. So it seemed fine on his end. So he eventually, after I then went back a second time and told him to speed, he sped it up. But then speeding up, then it raised the key. So now it's the right tempo, but like five steps too high. And so this whole time, people are just probably completely confused as to what's happening. And uh, and so one song was a disaster. Yeah. Well, that was I only was doing like two songs. Okay, I was only doing a ten minute set. Yeah. <laughs> so half the set. So I was half trying the set to get was this song done, and uh, then I did a second one, which was luckily a Madonna cover, and so they liked that. Yeah. Then, what cover? Uh, Holiday, which. I've never heard you do that. You haven't heard? No, how cute is that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was great. How, does this, how do you do it? Um, well, it was just, it was with this electronic music yeah. producer I was working with at the time. And how he, fun. It's really, I'll play it for you sometime. I'd love to hear that. Yeah. And you went all the way to Vancouver. Right. To, to basically <laughs> to, to mess sing, up everything. To mess up and then sing Holiday. Yeah. And then I had a fantastic Thank God you had a holiday. I know. You had fun. I had a great time in Vancouver for Pride. I met yeah. two people. And, and the thing was, like, then I, I of course... Myself, I finished and I was devastated. I was like, "This is was a disaster," and I was like embarrassed. I was like, "Oh my god, what did I, what did I do?" And then yeah. I left. And then the next day, like I talked to the people that ran it and my friends, and they were like, "What? What went wrong? What are you talking about?" We had no idea. They had no idea anything was going wrong. And the whole time, I'm freaking out in my head and running on and off the stage and and trying to whatever. So these things happen. What happen. was it like for you when you moved to San to LA from San Francisco? Was it different, like, socially and the guys and oh, the people? And, yeah. Because San Francisco, I feel like... Totally different beasts. I feel like LA. L.A. likes San Francisco and we're fine with them, but I feel like San Francisco yeah. has all these feelings it's, about us that we, it is. we don't really care. I know. It's the one-way We're rivalry. in a feud. The one-way one rivalry. It's like a one-way rivalry. Yeah. Uh, it definitely. Like, as I was leaving San Francisco and, and I, people knew I was moving to L.A., they were all yeah. like, oh... You know, have fun with have those fun shallow with that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. yeah. I hated it. Go fuck and then, a real housewife. And then everyone in LA was like, oh, you moved from San Francisco? I love San Francisco. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. so funny. No, right? it's, they're totally different different cities, and I'm glad I lived in both right. uh, and, and all that. I think San Francisco was fantastic. Especially Were you nervous, for, though, about coming here? Were you thinking of, like, just in terms well, of like, all yeah. the stereotypes? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was good that I already knew some people... Yeah, I think, and that's people had said that's the key to LA is like you you find some good friends, some good people, and that's really what makes or breaks it. Like you can't right. just show up knowing nobody and just kind of going on the street and be like, "Who wants to be my friend?" Right. You have to you have to sort of find quality people, and then you're fine because there's a lot of people in LA, so you just have to find the right ones. Um, we met not long after you. You'd been here. A yeah, little you were lot. one of the first quality people that I. Thank you. I, I was thinking for that. <laughs> that was but no, but I was, I was like, also thinking about this though. We met at. Uh, my friend Matt. Aaron Quill performed in a show. Yes. I was there to see Aaron. Matt was yeah. in it as well. But I, Aaron invited me to the Sparkle This Christmas show. Yeah. And you were there, and you were there to see Matt. Mm-hmm. And we just ended up talking in the lobby, right? Yeah. And then yeah. becoming friends. And right. Then, yeah. We realized our common obsession with game Aaron show. Game yes. shows. We realized that when we went to dinner. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And then and the, it was I think on. the next time was playing Pyramid after that. It was on. Yeah. No, Maybe I think I think LA, LA definitely has... I, I'm glad that I had some friends that kind of warned me about what it's like to move to LA. Because right. they said, you know, a few months in, at some point you're going to be in your room and crying, feeling like you are nobody and that you're the smallest person right. buried in a sea of, of whatever and you're so lonely. And it totally happened. And I was glad that I was ready for it. I was like, okay, I got that done. But you do, you just instantly feel so tiny because LA is so huge, but then the next step, it's like the stages of, of whatever, like 
you the, after that is the step where you say, okay, well, given that there's all these people and there's all this thing, I need to I need to figure out who I am because it's not just some happy community where where everyone's just sort of supportive and and it's just going to be you know easy. It's yeah, a lot of people come here to sort of reinvent themselves. And yeah, and you kind of it, it forces you to it forces you to do that. And I think that was really a good process that I had to go through. And again, San Francisco was fantastic for kind of I'm kind of exploring and finding my voice. But then I think LA was really more about like really crystallizing. Okay, what do I in particular have to offer, and what do I in particular want to say that's different from everybody else? Right. Yeah. And it's funny that, that the cities are probably different when it comes to dating, but you were yeah. down here and you met Stephen who was from up there. I did, yeah, I know. I moved to LA and then about a week later I had to go back to San Francisco to I was recording this band that I that I used to be in in San Francisco. And uh during that trip back I met Stephen, who at the time lived in San Francisco and then and then So you guys were doing the long distance and thing then for we started, quite a while. Yeah, a long distance thing for yeah. At least a year. Yeah, we did long distance because at first we were both in denial, where we were both assuming that well, we live in different cities and this is impractical and it's not going to work. And then it ended up being that we were just so perfect for each other that it's we had. It's really to, disgusting. <laughs> it's gross. Okay, though. what song makes you cry? Um, okay, so the song, like, if I just want to sit around and cry, there's a lot yeah. of songs that do make me cry because actually I, I tend to respond pretty emotionally to songs. But there's a song by Alanis Morissette. Who I love completely. There's so many songs of hers that actually make me cry. But um, there's a song called Madness. Do you know this song? Um, it is, it, I don't know, it's, it's one of the most gorgeous songs that, that I have ever heard. And it's my favorite song of hers. And it's, it's just a simple, simple song. But it's just, it's just devastating in how it sort of lays out the idea that, um, gosh, I don't remember exactly how it goes, but the, the idea that basically... Um, you're sort of thinking that someone else is causing your pain or causing your craziness, but then like they leave and you're still left with those feelings and you're still like, you have the power to sort of make or break your own sanity and your own, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, madness basically that, um, and essentially other people are just triggers for that, but ultimately it's, it's all happening inside you. And so not only is that it's sad and it's difficult to, to accept, but it empowers you to be able to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's both devastatingly sad, but also one of the most just hopeful and simple songs. That, right. Empowering in a way. Right. Like it's message is okay. You yeah. can change this. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's about like basically, and, and then it turns into, you know, appreciation where it's like, uh, thank you for your most generous triggers. Yeah. It's like the end of the, the chorus. Or essentially, like... Thank you for your most generous, generous triggers. triggers. Yeah, so basically, like, this... The idea that someone else you think is the one causing you... Causing you all this pain, and you're really blaming them... It sort of transforms into... Thank you for helping me to see this madness that's drawn out within me... When you're there, and also when you're not even there. And so by triggering me, you actually give me an opportunity to learn. To learn, and to grow. Because yeah. that's something that I've been... The idea of triggers has been something that I've been thinking about and dealing with in the last year and why do certain things send me a certain way and, 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 and others. And mm. whenever you think you've figured out what those things are, the idea that you would ever embrace them. Right. That's the hardest Or ever, yeah. ever sort of appreciate them yeah. is, is uh, revolutionary. Yeah. Because you are... Avoid the trigger. Trigger. Uh, it's a mm-hmm. trigger. It's going to shoot you. Right. 
And so wow. the idea is like I'm gonna have to there. dig that up. Yeah, I mean, even talking about it, I'm getting, I'm getting yeah. emotional. I'm trying to dig up. Thanks, it. Alanis. Yeah. But yes, um, you do you want to play us another song? Yes. Or do we? I have another question for you. Yeah, this, let's do a little... This is a great... I, I love how this one came out because yeah. the production of it really brought this certain energy to it that okay. wasn't there in the in the original version. Yeah. So it's this it's a song called Close Love. And um, again, it has some of those similar themes um, where essentially it's saying... Um, uh, I, you know, I don't want to, I used to think that I wanted to be a superstar. Like I didn't, I don't want to be someone that goes unnoticed, but then it's sort of this realization that, uh, instead of, you know, what you really want is this, this close love. You don't want this sort of distant fame of like being a star in the sky. It's like this closeness of like, you just want these meaningful, you, real you'd, love you'd and relationships. You'd rather have intimate, uh, interpersonal stuff than be adored by yeah. Yeah, exactly. Masses. I think you played this at Matt's show at Rock. I did, I did. So you'll right, be especially surprised version. to hear the produced version. Yeah. Uh, of the this. folks in the audience that might love it. I it's one of my, it's one of my favorite songs. Or at least song that I'm really happy with how how the writing is, and then this production. You'll hear where the chorus kicks in. That's fantastic. Look at that dingo what That's what I'd always, again, heard in my head, but never... But when it's just you, it's hard. Yeah, just to get to that imagine. from the piano. I so, love so it. I love how that... Because that was a surprise, too, yeah. that he that I didn't tell him to like put these driving crazy yeah. drums in the chorus. Uh, I just sort of knew... I just was like, I, I, you know, the chorus should feel big. This is how it should he, feel. And he sent that back, and I was just like... Did you have long phone right. calls with him, or was it more mostly emails? It was or? mostly emails, surprisingly. Wow. We, had, we had a couple long phone calls at the beginning... To talk through okay. kind of with the feeling of everything and, and stuff like that, and then really as soon as he started sending stuff, it was just he'd send it, and then I would email back and say, "Here's what I loved. Here's what here's what I think needs to be fixed, and here's the areas oh. that do work or don't work." And he was, you know, what's it going to be like when you hug him? I know. I'm trying <laughs> to think when I'm actually going to see him for the first time. Yeah, I, you've done this thing together <laughs> that is so beautiful. So it's like you had a baby together. We did, it's and we so just—it's like weird in that you've vitro, never met him. Across I know. The country. It's total in vitro. Uh, I'm trying to think thing. when I'm actually going to see him in person. Know. It probably will be. I don't know. It'll I be guarantee you're gonna. Your eyes are gonna tear up. Definitely. I think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Jeb Havens, you are one of the least bitchy people I've ever met, really? especially gays. You don't have that gene. I don't. I guess I don't know. Which I love. I think it's great. Do you know what? I, I have you ever felt in a community of? 
of people that you're like that you that that uh, a little out of. Um, I, I look. Yeah, I, as you just said, like I do. You know, I I do love you know being gay, sassy every once in a while. Right, but, but you I don't. don't have... I don't. It's not coming from. There's no sort of mean spiritedness. There's no. At I don't. Oh no! I think I there's think not it, an iota of it. Yeah, I think I and think I a lot of it that. comes from just. I think a lot of it is music. Like it's it's <gasps> that's my outlet for how I how I get out the stuff that's burning within me. Like I don't have at least I I try not to, and I don't think I do, but I'm sure I still do. Like have chips on my shoulder. Like I don't I don't carry these weights around that make me feel like I need to one up somebody or like or like put somebody else down because. I think it's because I'm constantly just emotionally working through all my stuff, and I have I have stuff like I have my own craziness, and I and I work through it as much as possible through music, and I always that's always been my emotional outlet since I was a kid, like dealing with realizing that I was gay and not being able to tell anyone about it, like it's always been that thing that I can always go to. So I, I music. think I, music, yeah, and just, and writing writing music and and singing and getting that stuff out of me where I where I don't. Yeah, I don't feel the need to get that by by taking away from others at all. I don't know. Like if you were the same guy with the same job doing the thing, but without music, mm-hmm. that that you would that would, your personality would be different. Uh, I think so. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Were you? How old were you when you realized you were gay? You talked about being a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I didn't have a name for it. Like right. I knew. Like looking back, I, I had a name for it. Right. Chuck. I called it Chuck. <laughs> No, exactly. I didn't. Um, I mean, I like I was trying to like, you know, get with my friends when I was like, you know, eight or whatever. That's so cool. It. Um, but I didn't know what it was. I didn't know right. anything about it, and so and then I, I didn't officially like come out. I guess I came out when I was like to some people when I was like sixteen or seventeen. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah, and then I went. You know, I went to a, a fairly liberal college what about your family yeah my family like we're we're not super religious there wasn't that issue to deal with or when did they find out they they found out i think i told them when i was like 18 or 17 or okay so still and they were they're amazing my parents and my family are amazing right they're they're completely loving and and you know like my dad's main reaction was that he was just so sad that i held it in for so long like he just was like i don't i can't imagine what that would feel like um and it, it ended up bringing us closer and, and all that. It was so I I had it really good in that department in terms right. of having a family that was really supportive and my brothers were, were amazing about it and supportive and, and all that. So so that part of it went well. So I think maybe part of my personality is that I didn't get really scarred from being gay as much as other people. I mean, I had sometimes were difficult, but it wasn't. Right. I didn't have as much of the the sort of baggage to deal with. Yeah. I think fair which enough. Is great. Yeah. You picked one other question. What rookie mistakes did you make on your first job? <laughs> this is this is just a funny story that I think... I, I don't know if I've told you this No, one. but I'm ready. You're ready. So my yeah. first job was at this little drive through diner kind of place, or a little, little diner uh, back in Connecticut. It was like a summer job. And it was... They did, you know, sandwiches and pizza and they had a couple tables. Most was takeout and they had ice cream uh, you know, cones and stuff like that. But, uh, and it was my first job. And I also, I've never been a coffee drinker. Like I never drank right. coffee. My family did. And so I didn't, never had any coffee. Didn't know how coffee machines work right. at that point in my life. And I, so I was there working behind the counter. I think I was maybe the only one 
there because it was like the beginning of the shift or something. Right. And the guy who runs the owned the place told me that I had to, you know, we're running on coffee for the customers, so like go make a pot of coffee, and then he heads downstairs. Oh, of course, boy. like I, I was, pretty, it was pretty early on, so I had no idea what I was doing. You didn't know how to make a pot of coffee, no idea, right? Which either. is so embarrassing when right. I think you know I was a, I forget how old I was, maybe thirteen or 14, right, whatever. Uh, and so I just was like, okay, well, I gotta, I gotta figure this out. I gotta do it. Gotta and I was like, how hard could this be? And right. then, so I, I fill the thing with water, and I, I mean, it's kind of all a blur, but I like pour it in the top, but the thing's on already. So halfway through pouring the water. The hot water starts pouring out, or the coffee starts pouring right, out onto right. nothing, right? Because I didn't do it fast enough, and then I'm freaking out because I'm not done pouring, and I want to spill it. So I grab a cup to try and put a cup under there to, right. to to save it. So there's coffee spilling already. I put the cup there to save it. Then that's a styrofoam cup on a hot plate, so the styrofoam starts melting and bubbling oh my on God. the on the plate, and right. so now I'm freaking out. I'm spilling that water. Right. There's hot coffee going everywhere. Right. There's bubbling styrofoam now and there's a cup and that breaks open and there's everywhere it's a total disaster it's a shit show it's a shit show and so I I just kind of put the thing down I'm freaking out luckily there's no customers there my boss is still downstairs so I'm like okay I can cover this up I can do it so I'm there like cleaning wiping this I'm like taking the styrofoam off and it's like melted on there I scrape that off and I get the whole thing and I kind of get it set back to where it was and then and then (laughs) So I'm like, okay, maybe I'm in the clear. And then I come to find out when I went downstairs, because uh, my boss needs something, went downstairs, and in his little office downstairs, he has little closed caption camera, little <laughs> cameras, closed circuit cameras. So he was watching the whole thing go down from his little office down there. That's crazy. Yeah. So he saw it all. What did he, he say saw the whole thing. I don't know. I think he, he played it off. He wasn't too mad. He was yeah. just like, it was clearly, it was like. He was. He thought. I guess he thought it was kind of funny, but also I got yeah. coffee everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> wasted a whole. Cup. I. But it was in the story. moment. It was the most. Yeah. I was just completely. So to this day, I, I can't. I can't even bring myself to make coffee. I worked at a Burger King in Hellbrook, Arizona, my junior year in high school, and also the first year after I graduated when I was a senior. And uh, there was one day where there were ketchup things that would. The big bags of ketchup that would hang upside down mm-hmm. and then you unscrew the bottom and you would fill the different whatever. <laughs> uh-huh. So I was loading that and I made the mistake of opening it <laughs> before I put it up there. And so I loaded it in and all the ketchup starts gushing out <laughs> and I couldn't close it. So I just kept moving plastic tin after plastic tin after plastic tin underneath the ketchup <laughs> container and then we just I just it was a disaster uh, yeah it's a, again diner job should have known how to do this thing right didn't know Seems how to do up, this yeah. thing and then there's food everywhere and it's big mess yeah. big embarrassing mess <laughs> um, are there any songs that we didn't hear at all there's one well we do we do one more song yeah let's yeah. do one more song and then we'll take it out yeah yeah, yeah. so so this one and this is I'll a song called Survive You that I've played I love a lot of Survive songs. You. I so is this, this an unplugged one or no? Like, this is well. You've I think because you've heard the so the unplugged one I did end up. This is a song that I ended up putting two versions on the album. There's a produced version, but I did want to keep the piano vocal version, which is the same one that's on my YouTube channel video yes. that has this song originally. So this I want, is I the like song the, that I wanted them to dance to on. So you think you can dance? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Beat. Beat. Is it that uh-huh. one? Beat. Beaten. Yes. So so I kept that version because I liked how that captured the because that was when I first had written it and I yeah. early on and, and you know uh, a lot of people like that version but this is the more produced version 
tell you what his favorite was or anything like that? Did he ever say anything like that? Didn't. You guys have to have that thing where you go for a beer and talk about all this stuff. Those yeah. those Strings, those thung those yeah. thunks those things that sound like doors closing or something. Yeah, yeah they're yeah. so powerful. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's. I think that might be my favorite. I love it so much. Yeah, the production. I mean, he, Just, he got it right away. He got the emotion of the song, and, and it was amazing to, to hear. Yeah. When you think of all the work you've put into it, and now that it's going to be out there and people are going to hear it, mm-hmm. what do you hope they get, or, or what moves you about that idea? somebody on a hike listening or in a car listening or mm-hmm. yeah i mean i think uh, for me it's always about does it does it resonate with someone in a way that helps them to work through something that's maybe inside of them that they haven't fully realized or fully been able to deal with and, and talk through so yeah if that, if it can help them do that then i think it's it's successful I think it's beautiful. Yeah. I think it's yeah, really beautiful. Um, where can people find out more about you and also remind us of the dates of your show and how to get the music? Okay. Uh, to find out more about me, you can just go to jebhavens.com. Right. Or, as I said, I have tons of videos up on my YouTube channel, which is just called Jeb Havens. So if you just go to YouTube and type in Jeb Havens, you'll find a whole bunch of videos to, to watch. Um, and... Then for the show and the album release, it's all yes. happening on the same day. So it's February seventeenth, Wednesday. It's Wednesday evening. Uh, shows at eight at Rockwell Table and Stage. I will be there. Uh, Dennis will be there. I'll I'll be there. Are, is it just going to be you and the piano? Or are you going to have some it's players? Me and the, they have a gorgeous piano there. They actually yeah. have, a, have a grand piano. Nice. The sound is is beautiful. So um, yeah, it'll just be me and the piano. And it's also. Do you want dancers? You know I have a crew. You, uh, you're part of that crew. I, that might... We'll talk after this. I'm <laughs> joking. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. All right. Um, no, it, it'll it'll be just me and the piano, and, yeah. and also it's because it's also my 
close to my birthday, so we're going to be celebrating my birthday. Yeah. And and because Steve and I are heading off on our, our big adventure. It's like the amazing race uh, without the race. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> big adventure. Amazing adventure. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be sort of a going away party for us two. So it should be really fun. You know, just I, what I mostly want is just a chance to, to A, just see and hang out with friends and and then just be able to, you know, perform a lot of this music and also anyone who's there gets a free copy of the cd i love it a physical copy physical copy because you know nice. i want that physical i know copy. it's a limited set I, I i'm like, not doing I any it. but i can't take a cd really into my heart until it's, until i can, can hold, hold it, it i know and listen to it in my car and not on my phone in my car because i yeah. always forget anyway uh-huh. it's not important so, yeah so if you if you're there you'll yeah. get you'll get one Awesome. But, um, but yeah, so February 17th, everything and goes, it's on like Amazon and, and iTunes and Google Play and all those. And all the stuff. Yeah, all the places, yeah. Awesome. When do you and, guys leave on your trip? Uh, whew, it's the end of, so it's like February um, 28th. Wow. The end of the month. Amazing. Time. Where do you go to first? Uh, flying to, via Heathrow, we're flying to Cape Town, South Africa. Wow. <laughs> Two days to get there. But. So if you're listening and you know anything about Cape Town, have any recommendations... Let Jeb right? know. Let me know. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be there for a while. Are you on Twitter? Uh, I am, yeah. Just you, Jeb Havens. All my things are just Jeb, my name. That's so, so good. Yeah, luckily How, my name is not the same What's it like people. to see Jeb exclamation point all over that's the place? That's the worst, and I'm glad it's going away. It's totally going away. <laughs> like, that makes me so happy that he's bombing. He's bombing. Because not, you know, I mean, I'm sure he's, like, of the people that are possibly Republican candidates, and I don't support any of them, you know, for the record, but... But of the people there, like, I actually think he's, like, one of the less worse. In yes. Terms, like, he seems like a, a little bit more of a reasonable, smart person in terms of policy and stuff. But, but like, or just sanity. Right? But he's right. just bombing in this environment where you have to be completely crazy to, to get yeah. any attention. Um, but also his last name is Bush, and that doesn't help. That but doesn't help at all. Doesn't help at all, which I'm sure infuriates him. Watching him though on the stump and oh, stuff, God. I just think, oh, he sucks. He's just and I remember, that part of it. yeah, and, and, and I remember a... thinking the same thing about Romney, and I really felt like yeah. on the news they could do like an autopsy over what happened. And mm-hmm. well, Chuck, I think the real problem was that he just sucks. Yeah. And I think, like, I think <laughs> yeah. that it's almost categorically yeah. possible. Right. To measure suckage, and yeah. I it's think just that it's weird. It's that certain factor that, like, the politician or star, whatever, they have to have it. He doesn't have it. He doesn't have it. He sucks. He doesn't have any of it. He and doesn't have any He doesn't. Of but it. I'm, you know, I'm sure he's, he's he so knows his stuff or whatever. But he's he yeah, does not he's have not meant to be the president. But anyway, so yeah, so so seeing seeing the the pending rise of the possibility yeah. of Jeb as a as a president, like. Or as a it was going to make your life hell. It was going to make my life hell. Yeah. But now it's, it's going to fade back <laughs> I in. I thought that might be why you're leaving the country. No. Yeah. No, no. now I say if people, because usually people don't know what I'm saying when I say my name. Yeah. Um, so now I just say uh, it's like Jeb Bush, but without the exclamation point. Oh. Um, and they get it now. That's cute. Yeah. Jeb! <laughs> right. I'm, I'm a little more subdued. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like maybe a you're more. What would you be? A semicolon. I like that. I appreciate that because that means yeah. there's more to come. There's more to come. That's how we're gonna leave it. I love it. I love you, Jeb. I'm <laughs> so glad we got to do this. I'm so amazing. proud of you. I'm gonna treasure that CD while you're on the road, and uh, hopefully come and meet you somewhere exotic, and hopefully it'll go by fast. Yeah. Um, and um, we'll, um, that's it. All right. Thank you so much. I love you. Take care. Bye. Um, bye. Bye. Thanks again to my super sweet friend, Jeb Havens. Download his record, and if you're in L.A., come out and see him on February 17th. It's coming right up. All right. 
So this happened. A lot actually happened. Um, first of all, Sirius canceled OutQ, which sucks so bad. I know some of you that are listening to this podcast heard about me when I would guest host or appear on some of the shows on OutQ, which is the gay channel on Sirius XM. Um, that means the end of the Frank DeCaro show with Frank DeCaro and Doria Biddle, two of my friends who I love very much, and I used to appear on it with them. I'd guest host for Frank sometimes for weeks at a time when he would go, and it's just so sad. It's like the end of an era, and um, fuck, pisses me off. And then I was listening to Sirius, and it was like, there was just this like generic announcement on there playing over and over. It was like, this channel has been canceled, but you can still hear some of the hosts on other channels. By some of, I guess it means one. Larry Flick is still going to be doing things. Um, but it was like, it was like a, I don't know, man. It was like a sucker punch to the gut. So it sucks. Uh, I hope, and, and, and they should have a gay channel. I read a tweet that somebody wrote that is like, they have a whole channel dedicated to Jimmy Buffett songs, but but um, no gay channel. So anyway, that sucks. Um, so it sucks. That's all I have to say about that. Um, what else happened? Okay, I went to see Dirty Dancing, the musical, on stage at the Pantages with my friend Rebecca. And it's not really a musical because, like, Baby and Johnny don't sing songs, uh, they don't sing at all. So it's just music that you know from the movie, pretty much, sung by different, like, other, you know, smaller people, characters, and then lots of great dancing and acting. And, I mean, it's like the movie on stage. It's not horrible. I liked it more than If Then. Um, I thought Johnny Castle was sexy and, and a good actor. He had a really deep voice, and when he would talk, it would be like, oh, shit. And he danced great. And Baby was good and believable, and the actress, dancer that played the Penny that got the abortion was rockin'. So, you know, it was exactly what you would expect. If you were a fan of the movie, you went home happy. And let me tell you the funnest part about it was the, the crowd. I did a, a poll afterwards, and that crowd was 87% more horny than your average crowd. Like, they went bananas for it when whenever anything sexy would happen they would scream when they when he said nobody puts baby in a corner the place went ape shit so um i would not pay full price but i did have a good time and the crowd was the most entertaining part um i also got to go to the broad museum this week with my friends uh brett and chris and i had reserved the tickets months ago and then forgot about them so we made it happen um, it's a new museum in Los Angeles. It's all contemporary art. It's, uh, it was created or, or paid for by this really rich couple, the Broads. I think it's Eli and Ellen or something. They both have E names and they're still alive. He made all his money building houses and, and then he went into another business and made a bunch of money there. And they've always been collectors of art for years and years and years and they had this massive collection and then they decided to open a museum and they're like in their 70s or 80s they're gazillionaires and they've opened this beautiful museum in downtown LA but they have Lichtensteins if that's how you say it uh, Basquiat's uh, Jasper Johns Andy Warhol um, all kinds of like artists that you've heard of iconic works and what I loved about it is it didn't feel academic or 
like the past. It felt very alive. It felt very, because it's free to people, it felt very public and of the people. It didn't feel stuffy. The architecture, the building is fascinating. If you are coming to L.A. or if you live here, I highly recommend checking out the Broad Museum. It was really cool. I'll definitely go back soon. And often. Um, what was the other thing I saw? Oh, for Valentine's Day, uh, my friends Danny, Matt, uh, Robert, and I went and saw How to Be Single. Wow, I did not enjoy that movie. I was not having it. I kept flipping off the screen. I don't know. I just was I didn't believe it. The dialogue, the character, whatever. It was just like, what? Anyway. But Danny uh, writes a fun blog about um, being single. It's called DieAlongeWithMe.com. And you can check out his blog. And he writes about our adventure at the movie and our different thoughts and his reactions and stuff like that. It's really cool. You should check it out, DieAlongeWithMe.com. But I would steer clear of that movie. I mean, even if you're on a plane. I don't know. I was not, I was not having it. Um... But there you have it. Happy late Valentine's Day to everyone. Thanks again to Jeb. Um, come see him on the 17th if you're in L.A. And we will catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye! Mm-hmm.